0: The more than 45,000 Texaco dealers from coast to coast welcome you to an hour of mirth and melody. With our star comedian, Fred Allen. Kenny Baker and Portland Hopper. Our guest, Mr. Franklin P. Adams, star of Information Please. The Martins and Al Goodman's Orchestra. Showtime. Gentlemen, March may come in like a lion and March may go out like a lamb. But a certain radio comedian comes in like an actor and goes out like a ham. And here he is, Fred Allen, in
1: person.
2: Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And Mr. Wallington, thank you for that hammy introduction. You know, it's a... Don't take bows. Your, <laughs> your glasses slip down your nose and you look awful when you bow. You know. <laughs> you ought to de-oil your pores, I mean. For, take that from a fan. But thank you for that hammy introduction. It's about... <laughs> it's about time. It's about time we had a ham on this program to go with those eggs you lay around here. <laughs> You're the only announcer I know who should live in a nest, really Give up that apartment and take a nest But you're right, Jimmy March certainly did come in like a lion Snow, sleet, cold, ice Oh, this freezing weather's too much for me, Fred I'm going back to sunny Hollywood Sunny Hollywood? hmm Have you heard Bob Hope's program lately? Oh, I know Oh, I always tune in on Bob to get the weather report <laughs> Why, it's been raining in Hollywood for weeks, Jimmy. You know, it rains so much out there that Vine Street has grown four blocks longer. <laughs> and grapes of wrath sprouted two more bunches at a matinee last Saturday. <laughs> but, uh, sunny California, soggy California, you mean... Well, I'm going someplace where it's hot. Where can I go? You know where you can go.
1: <laughs>
2: where? And while Mr. Wallington is working on the answer to this $64 question, we turn to the latest news of the week. The Texaco News presents its highlight from the world of news. Hollywood, California, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences makes its annual awards for outstanding achievements in the cinema industry for nineteen forty. Ginger Rogers, receiving award for her role in Kitty Foyle, said...
3: This is the happiest moment of my life.
2: James Stewart, voted Outstanding Male Star for his work in the Philadelphia Story, said... This is the happiest moment of my life. Cecil Salvin, an extra who didn't win an award, but who found $4 on the floor when the banquet was over, said...
4: This is the happiest moment
2: of my life. (laughs) Anyone caring to write Cecil Salvin may reach him care of oxygen tent number two at any hospital. <laughs> Texaco News, ignoring Academy selections, makes its own awards to little-known mugs who contributed practically nothing to the advancement of the motion picture industry during the past year. A Texaco Award goes to the man who broke the Hollywood record for completing a featured picture in record time during 1940, Professor Farnstock Crest. What, uh, what company are you with, Fonstock? Whippet Productions. Whippet Productions? Yeah, it's a quickie studio. We make pictures so fast they lap over. Oh, they do? Yeah,
4: if a director ain't off at of the set the minute his picture is finished, he's in the first reel of the next picture.
2: Well, tell me, Fonstock, what is the fastest picture you have ever made? a Akimbo, a nine-reeler. Well, how long did Souls Akimbo take you? Well, at 8 o'clock this morning, I'm pacing the bear rug in my office.
4: The phone rings. Yeah? It's some guy with a crockery store. He's stuck with a lot of dishes, so he needs a picture to get rid of them.
2: This was at 8 o'clock this morning?
4: Yeah. We was cast and in production at 9. The picture's finished and down in the tailor shop being cut before noon. Really? We preview it during lunch in the commissary. At 2 o'clock this afternoon, 800 people in that guy's crockery store were hissing another whip at production.
2: Well, that's some speed, isn't it? Well, tell me, is the picture finished? Is it through now?
4: Oh, no, it opens
2: again tomorrow, as a revival. Oh, it does.
1: <laughs> I'm sure
2: critics will give it four shooting stars, and thank you, producer Stark Kress. <laughs> a Texaco Award for all-around incompetence goes to Murdoch Nub. Now, you were... <laughs> you weren't cited by the Academy, were you, Murdoch? The Academy, ha-ha, I'm laughing Well, you don't You don't agree with the academy selection? Who is this Prentice Sturgeon they're raving about? Preston Sturgis? Why, he's the famous author, director, producer at Paramount
5: All right, so does that compare him with me? I'm Murdoch Knob, don't forget But you... I, My Doc Nub, was the first combination actor, author, producer, director, yes man, stool pigeon, and errand boy in Hollywood.
2: (laughs) You were all of these things.
5: I alone. Well, I've never seen. Who it. wrote the novel Up Satan's Alley? I alone. Well, I did. Who wrote the screen adaptation of the novel? I alone. Well, I know. Ne- who produced the picture? I alone. Well, you did. Who directed the picture? I alone. Who acted both leading parts? Well, I. I alone. After seven years in production, when the picture came out, who went
2: to see Up Satan's Alley? You mean? I alone. <laughs> That's fame, isn't it?
5: And they're raving about this Prentice
2: Sturgeon. What about Murdoch Nub? Well, who ever heard of Murdoch Nub? I alone. <laughs> well, that completes your cycle, and thank you, actor, author, producer, and cast, Murdoch Nub. A Texaco award for the most embarrassing moment on a, uh, on a picture set goes to Miss Fodie LaFontaine. You, uh, you all know her from her recent pictures, I'm sure. <laughs> You uh, you work in pictures, do you, Fody?
3: Only in Technicolor.
2: Well, in Technicolor. Well, what just what is it you do in Technicolor, uh, Fody?
3: I used to be an emergency blusher. <laughs> an
2: emergency blusher?
3: Yeah, in Technicolor. When a girl blushes, the blush is supposed to show in the picture. Oh, I see. But in Hollywood, most actresses is either world-wise or anemic. They can't blush. <laughs>
2: And that's where you come in.
3: Yeah, if the director wants a blush and the femme lead can't blush, I jump in and blush for her.
2: Well, how uh, how uh, how do you manage to blush uh, uh, by appointment and at will, Fody?
3: By manipulating me veins.
2: Oh, you manipulate.
3: <laughs> yeah, I wear loose foundation garments and manipulate me veins.
2: <laughs> well, what uh, what caused your award-winning embarrassing moment?
3: A sarong was my aunt doing. A, uh, <laughs> a sarong? Yeah, it's for a big jungle picture, Road to Hepsibar.
2: Oh, Road to Hepsibar.
3: The director wants a rush blush, but I gotta wear a sarong.
2: I well, what, uh, what happened?
3: Well, I put on the sarong, I take a gander at myself in the dressing room, I start to blush.
2: Yeah?
3: I'm blushing all the way across the lot.
2: Oh, you poor thing.
3: I get on the set, I'm still blushing.
2: Uh huh.
3: The camera starts grinding, Director yells, blush. I manipulate me veins. I'm a dud. You mean? I'm all blushed out. Me veins won't manipulate.
2: (laughs) Your movie career has ended?
3: Yeah. I took two transfusions to try to get back in, but you know Hollywood.
2: Oh, do I know Hollywood. (laughs) Well, what, uh,
3: what are you doing today? I'm doing my specialty in a movie theater on 7th Avenue.
2: Oh, at the Roxy?
3: Yeah, I'm a Roxy blusher. <laughs>
2: congratulations on your marvelous comeback and weak finish, uh, Miss Foddy LaFontaine. <laughs> a movie, a movie, the movie fan who got into the most trouble through being loyal to his screen uh, idol was Barkley Dell. What is your favorite, uh, or who, rather, is your favorite movie star, Barclay? Uh, Bill of Really? I ain't Mr. Bill of Lugosi's picture for ten years. You admire Mr. Lugosi's acting so greatly? Oh, it ain't his acting. Well, then, what has you made, uh, made, uh, what has, uh, what has made you such an ardent, Lug Le- <laughs> Coping with a man like you uh, upsets the other party, you know that. <laughs> <isn't>?
1: <laughs>
2: what nature has done to you, you could sue. <laughs> Uh, uh, tell me, Barkley.
1: Uh, Barkley,
2: <laughs> tell me, what has made you such an ardent Lugosi fan?
1: Well,
4: I'll tell you. You see, nature put a big wart on my Adam's apple.
2: Oh, a wart? Yeah,
4: it's right here under me collar button. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. When I put on me collar, the collar button presses against the wart. The wart presses against me Adam's apple. It's agony.
2: What's that got to do with Bella Lagosi?
4: Well, the only pleasure I had for ten years I owed to Bella Lagosi. Well, how do you mean? Well, when I go into the theater, my color button is always pressing against the wart. The wart is pressing against me Adam's apple. I'm in agony. Yeah? Then, Bella Lugosi comes on the screen. Yes. My flesh starts to creep. Yes. The wart creeps up over me color. <laughs> I can't explain the feeling. It's utopia. When the picture is over... The wart creeps back down. The collar button starts pressing. I'm in agony again. Until the next Bella Lugosi picture comes out. They can't make them too fast for me. Boy, I'm sure gonna miss old Bella. Miss him? Yeah. Why, he's still making pictures. But I ain't gonna see him. Why not? Well, yesterday, I hear a new Bella Lugosi picture is opening up on... Oh, hey, there, you uh-huh. see? The name is Mayhem in Paradise Really? Yeah I figure I'll go over and get my water out from under for a couple of hours yeah.
2: <laughs> Give your water a good
1: time
4: Yeah And you went over to the theater? Yeah, sure There's a big line around the block I get in line, the water's killing me The line kept moving up? Yeah Finally, I'm pushed up a flight of stairs That's all, brother The line didn't lead to the theater. It went into a recruiting office. (laughs) And instead of seeing Bella Lugosi, I'm seeing
0: Fort Dix in the morning. (laughs)
2: Congratulations and thank you, Barkley Dell. And now ladies and gentlemen, we turn from the Academy Awards to our choice for a vocal award. And our candidate is Kenny Baker. And Kenny sings for us now on Wings of Song. me next. Time. Take you, friend? Yeah,
4: I want a flannel housecoat, size 18, cerise with puffed shoulders. A coming.
2: flannel flannel house coat?
4: Yeah. Ain't this the program where they give you anything you want to make your dream come true? Oh.
2: <laughs> no, if you're asleep, you better wake up, uh, brother. You're on the wrong program. Gee, am I a dud? Well, you'd certainly look like one in a flannel house coat, size 18. Oh, I,
4: I don't want it for me. It's for my wife, Gertie. Oh, your wife? Yeah, you see, every morning when I start off to work, Gertie comes out on the front front porch in a rapid to wave goodbye.
1: Uh-huh. By
4: the time I get the car started these cold mornings, Gertie's just a mess of goose pimples. See, I want a
3: flannel housecoat size AP. Well, eight look, now, wait just, just a
2: second. On. Look, you don't need a flannel housecoat for your wife. What you need is fire chief for your car. You see, then you get quick starts, and Gertie won't get those goose pimples. Now, for further detail, just lend a good ear here to Jimmy Wallington.
0: If there's one time when Doug... Those useless, slow-action elements in gasoline show their true colors. It's when you want a quick start on a cold day. For those deadly duds fail to vaporize in the carburetor. Hold back the power of those few ounces of chilled gasoline and have a big enough job to do without having duds make it harder. The result? You don't start fast. Your battery suffers and you waste fuel. But remember, there are no duds in Fire Chief. In Fire Chief, you're getting only the fast-action elements that vaporize instantly, give flashing starts, Quick pickups. So next time, try a Texaco dealer and famous fire chief. There's not a dud in a tank full.
2: just consummated the barcarole from the tales of Hoffman. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a surprise.
3: Mr. Allen!
2: No, not now, Portland. Look, we have a very important guest tonight. I want you and Kenny and Mr. Goodman to be on your toes. Oh,
6: I'll tell them. Kenny! Mr. Goodman! Yes, Portie?
2: Goodman is present. Now, look, listen, all three of you, our guest tonight is an intellectual. A grammar perfectionist and a fanatic on pronunciation. Now I want you all to be very careful. If I if I happen to introduce you, no faux pas. Faux pas? This is English. Yes. <laughs> I mean no grammatical indiscretions. Watch your diction. Well, who is
6: this guy, Mister Allen?
2: He's FPA. FPA?
6: That's a project, ain't it?
2: <laughs>
4: FHA is a project. FPA is
2: with John Edgar Hoover, ain't he? <laughs>
3: Mr. Goodman, ain't
2: it? Now, wait a minute. Stop saying ain't. For heaven's sake, don't say ain't. They tell me that when F.P.A. hears people say ain't, he swoons. But who is F.P.A.? F.A.? He's Mr. Franklin P. Adams, Kenny, the celebrated newspaper columnist, wit, the author of many books, and to radio listeners, he is best known as the man who plays right field on Information, please. Th- this is only one man? Yes, one man. <laughs> Now, break it up, and don't forget, when you beat Mr. Adams, put on the dog grammatically. We want to make a good impression.
3: And no ain'ts.
2: No ain'ts above all things. Now, beat it, everybody. I'm going to introduce him. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to present Mr. Franklin P. Adams. (laughs) Well, good evening, uh, good evening, Mr. Franklin P. Adams Good evening, Mr. Fred P. Allen It it is stimulating to hail a fellow so well-met as you, Mr. Franklin P. Adams It is equally stimulating to ha- Say, do we have to be this formal? Oh, no, not, uh, not necessarily We were afraid you might be a stuffed shirt And we just wanted to make you feel at home I ain't a stuffed shirt, Mr. Allen, confidentially You're not? No, I ain't Ain't something is wrong here We've got the wrong Adams or something But those ain'ts, are you sure you're the Mr. Adams? You ain't kidding, brother (laughs) Well, it's certainly nice of you to take a sabbatical from information, please and embark on this mental slumming tour tonight. Now, Mister Adams, my uh, little company must impress you as being mentally unkempt and teetering on the subnormal. Oh, I don't know. That fellow Goodman looks like an intelligent type. Well, we we don't keep him on a leash, if that's what you mean. <laughs> Say, you uh, you haven't met our little group, have you? Don't bother, Fred. I know quite a few people. I don't want to overdo it. What's the difference? So you'll sink a little lower socially You mean I ain't touch bottom? Not yet
1: <laughs> if something
2: tells me you will before this evening is over Now, folks, Portland, this is Mr. Adams
6: Glad to know you, Mr. Adams
2: Thank you, Portland That's the first kind word I've heard tonight
0: <laughs>
6: Kenny, this is Mr. Adams How smart are you, Mr. Adams?
0: Two and two is four
6: That's good enough for me Kenny
2: Gee whiz He's a whiz, F.A. And, uh, Mr. (laughs) Well, that's only one man's opinion after all (laughs) Mr. Adams, this is Mr. Goodman A pleasure, Mr. Goodman Thank you What is Shakespeare doing these days? (laughs) He's still with the same people He's got no ambition. I thought Shakespeare was going places. Maestro. You're saying talk intelligent. But you're overdoing it, Maestro. Well, now that you know our gang, Mr. Adams, let's get on with our interview. Now, uh, let me see. What can we talk about? I don't know. How about just ad-libbing until we hit something good? <laughs> well, that's a little risky, isn't it? Not for me. <laughs> I uh well uh, you know it's easy for you guys on information please you can get out of a, a, a conversational hole with a uh, with a quotation from Shelley or an old used bird call but on a program like this we uh, we have to have scripts. You mean otherwise people wouldn't think radio comedians could read?
1: <laughs>
2: In a certain case on the west coast that is the purpose. Yes. You can, uh, you can use a script tonight, can't you? If you don't mind, Fred, I prefer to be unrehearsed and, uh, what is it Spontaneous. Oh, you...
1: You, uh,
2: (laughs) you want to be unrehearsed and spontaneous. It says here... (laughs)
1: Well, all right. Now,
2: about our interview, what, uh, what is your story, Mr. Adams? Well, I was born, yes, and I lived, (laughs) yes, and here I am.
1: Well,
2: I know, but, uh, what happened in between? (laughs) Everything went black. (laughs) Well, for a, uh, for a man who has been working in the dark so many years, you certainly have accomplished a great many things. I'd rather not talk about myself, Fred. You mean you'd rather not mention that you write a column on the Brooklyn Eagle? The New York Post. (laughs) Well, wouldn't you like to say you've been writing a daily column since 1904? (laughs) 1903. Don't you want it known that you are a celebrated writer of lyric poetry? No, it's like verse. (laughs) But uh, years ago, you did write a musical comedy with Mark Twain. Practically, it was O Henry. Mr. Adams, won't you please admit that you're on the air every Friday with that popular radio show, The National Bond Dance? No, sir, that information, please. Well, all right. If I'm getting everything wrong, why don't you tell your story your own way? I'd rather not talk about myself, Fred. Well, I know, but there must be something you will talk about. Yes, there is, Fred. I've got a pair of pet peeves, and I've written about them for years. What are they? Well, I've agitated against double parking in New York Street. And as a result of your crusade? Today we've got triple parking.
1: <laughs>
2: well, congratulations. Now, you and your other peeve? I've been campaigning for visible numbering on houses and buildings in New York. And? Today you can't find the numbers and half of the houses are gone. <laughs> Well, so much for your dynamic crusading. Now about information, please. How did you amass the vast knowledge you dispense on your program? In other words, Mr. Adams, how did you become so smart? I started as a moron and worked my way up. I see. Well, with your strenuous routine, what do you do for relaxation? I play tennis. Oh, you do, really? Uh, Do you play an exciting game of tennis? Well, I've been playing tennis for 40 years, and I've never beaten a healthy man yet. Uh, Confidentially, confidentially, Mr. Adams, uh, do you uh, imbibe?
0: Is that an invitation? No. (laughs)
2: No, that is... What point is there in answering? Well, (laughs) I haven't seen a point on the whole page here. (laughs) (laughs) You've got something there. Well, that isn't an invitation. Well, now that you've sampled our hospitality, Mr. Adams, I'm going to tell you why I asked you over tonight. You didn't ask me just for myself? No, I didn't. I, I had an ulterior motive. Now, you have a column in the New York Post. Yes, sir. And in this column, you frequently run poems sent in by contributors. Frequently? Well, I, uh, I have written a tone poem. You haven't the poem with you, I hope. Fortunately, I have Would you like to have me read it to you? No, but something tells me you will That is correct, absolutely correct All right, if I'm in for it, what is this tone poem called? Tone Read on Tone The sweetest tone of all the tones Is not the tone of the slide trombone Nor the saxophone or the bagpipe's drone The sweetest tone of all the tones Is the moan of the hormone. When the hormone moans When the hormone moans in any key I am transported with ecstasy For the hormone moans in harmony. Well, is that the end? Yes It's hard to tell with a poem like that Yes You can end it any place, really I mean, it should uh... Well, what do, what do you say, Mr. Adams? Will you I'll l- run your poem on one condition, Fred And that is? got to have a ten-yard y- ten head start And I ain't kidding <laughs> Oh, you ain't. <laughs> well, wait till I get on information, please again. I can wait.
1: <laughs>
2: Good night. Good night, and thank you for this pleasant little visit. Night, <coughs>
1: now,
2: you know, at this time, ladies and gentlemen, the Martins tear themselves away from the bosom of their band club just long enough to sing "Young Man with a Horn." <coughs>
1: To a young man, if you keep playing this way, you'll blow your dribble world through bits of glass, change your horn to a thing of twisted brass. Young man, you could have run from the strain. the the low, there comes a time when just an empty sack can be the straw that breaks no back. Lord only knows just what he was born. No time to learn how to read or write. He thinks all day, but he plays all night. He's that young man. For notes, Simon will never play, but still he keeps on sending out of the world.
2: Been admiring that handkerchief in your breast pocket there all evening. It's the neatest shade of beige I've ever seen. Well I'm glad you like it, Fred. Yes, it's quite a contrast to the Kleenex you usually carry up. <laughs> well, let me see that handkerchief, will you? Jimmy? Oh, no, don't don't touch it, Fred. Don't pull it up. Quiet. Oh, shut your head a going so. Well. well look at this. Why, this isn't beige at all, Jimmy. It's just plain white cotton scorched Look at that thing Yeah, yeah, I know, I
0: know That's what I get for trying to do my own ironing Jimmy, you do your own laundry too? No, no, Fred You see, the way this happened I was dressing this morning And I noticed that my outside handkerchief Looked like it had been slept in Well, they do get that way after eight or nine weeks You know that So I thought, why not slap it on the ironing board And smooth it out? And just as I was starting,
2: the phone rang. You went to answer it and left the iron on. That's
0: right. Uh-huh.
2: And then all at once I saw a chambray smoke. Well, let that be a lesson to you, Jimmy. Hereafter, send your handkerchiefs out. Yes,
0: there's a lesson for all of us there, Fred. Smoke from the ironing board is like smoke from the exhaust of an automobile. Both mean trouble. For when you see smoke spotting from the exhaust of the other fellow's car, the chances are it's due to excessive engine wear that takes a costly repair job to cure. Heed the warning before your car smokes. See to it that your engine gets the protection of an oil that is insulated to resist both heat and cold, an oil that is also distilled to remove natural impurity. From now on, use insulated Haviland and safeguard your engine from three sources of wear of which smoke is a symptom, heat, cold, and carbon-forming impurities. Beware of smoke and trouble. Change to insulated Haviland at a Texaco dealer. Star Theater continues immediately after a short pause for your station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. W.A.B.C. New York.
2: Don't uh, the Moon Look Pretty, played by Al Goodman and his famous orchestra. And now, oh, say, Portland. Yes,
3: Mr. Allen? Will you tell
2: Kenny that it's almost time?
6: Yes, Mr. Allen.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, 1,200 Texaco dealers from the Southern Territory are assembled in convention at the George Washington Hotel in Jacksonville, Florida. In exactly three minutes, they will interrupt the convention to tune in on the Texaco Star Theater. To hear just a word of greeting from the youngest member of our organization, Master Kenneth Baker. And for this suspicious occasion, I, Goodman, have written also a theme song.
3: A theme song for Texaco, Mr. Goodman? What is it called?
2: I'll take you home a can gasoline.
1: (laughs) That's fine.
6: Uh,
2: Nice work, Maestro. We'll we'll learn the words of it later. Now it's almost time for Kenny to greet the convention. Here
6: comes. Mr. Roman, technical dealers, lend me your gears!
2: Uh, well, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Kenny, uh, hurry up with your limbering up day. Your vocal calisthenics Jacksonville will be ready in just a minute. I'm just running over my speech, F.A. Kenny, there isn't time for a speech. We just want a few words of greeting.
6: Please, F.A., I gotta concentrate. You have your cue, Mr. Goodman? What
2: cue?
4: When Kenny is saying north-south, I, Goodman, am playing Dixie.
2: What, uh, what,
4: Dixie? At the end of my speech, I give
6: Mr. Goodman a cue. Yeah? When I say, greetings from us in the north to you in the south, Goodman. Quiet, quiet,
1: quiet, quiet.
6: Who started that? I, Goodman. Not yet, not
2: yet, Mr. Goodman. But you are saying south, Goodman's cue. Well, never mind. Forget about Dixie, maestro. Now, Kenny, you stand by. We're about ready. Okay, F.A. Stand by, Mr. Beamish. Who is Mr. Beamish? He's going to
6: help me with my funny story.
2: Oh, are you going to tell a funny story? I got a Lulu. It's about
6: Pat and Mike in the desert.
2: Well, what what has Mr. Beamish got to do with it?
6: Mr. Beamish is going to remind me.
2: Remind you? Don't you know the story? Sure. But no speaker
6: just tells a funny story. Something has to remind him. Then the speaker says, that reminds me of a
2: funny story. Oh, Mr. Beamish is going to do something. Yes. So I'll be able to say, that reminds me of a funny story. Well, can't you say that reminds me of a funny story without Mr. Beamish? I'm no liar, F.A. All right, all right. Now, when does Beamish come in? When I give him a cue. What cue? When I say Texaco dealers,
0: Mr. Beamish... Water! Water! I must have water! Water! (laughs) Water!
2: What was that?
6: That was Mr. Beamish. He was reminding me.
2: He thought it was his cue. Now, wait a minute. Look. Yelling water, water, that reminds you of a funny story? Yes. Water reminds me of Pat and Mike in the dentist. Oh, all right. Now, something tells me anything can happen, and it probably will. I'll, uh, now you wait here. I'll see if the Texaco convention is, uh, is ready in Jacksonville. You'd
6: better rehearse your first line, Kenny. Oh, that's a good idea, Forty. Friends, Romans, and Texaco dealers. Water, water, water I must have water, water. Ah!
2: Will you keep that beamish out of here? Ah!
6: I'm sorry, Effie. I accidentally gave Mr. Femish his cue again.
2: Well, don't make a mistake and give Goodman his cue.
6: Oh, I'll be careful. Mr. Goodman's cue is north and south.
1: Quiet! 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 Quiet!
6: <laughs> Mr.
2: Goodman, please. I am hearing south. Goodman's cue.
3: They're waving from the control room, Mr. Allen. That's all they
2: ever do from the control room. Wave back at them.
3: All right. Yahoo! Yahoo! Fine,
2: now the control room is throwing kisses. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Allen. Jacksonville is ready. Quiet!
1: We're on the air! <laughs>
2: All right. All right, Kenny, let's have it. Don't forget my demonstration party. I'm ready. Quiet, please. To the Texaco Convention in Jacksonville, Florida, we here in the Texaco Star Theater send a message. Our speaker is the youngest member of our organization, Kenny Baker. <laughs>
6: Thank you. Thank you. Greetings,
1: friends. Jimmy, no! now,
2: wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's no! enough. That's enough, Portland. After all, Kenny isn't speaking on the lease land bill. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you,
6: folks, for your riotous reception. On behalf of the Texaco Star Theater, I greet the Jacksonville Convention of Texaco Dealers. Texaco Dealers.
2: Where's Beamish? Never mind, Beamish. Come mind Beamish. Go into your funny story. But that's Mr. Beamish's cue. He's got to remind me. Kenny, all of our dealers are waiting down there in Florida. They'll be hopping mad.
3: Yes, Penny. You're liable to start trouble between the north and south. Quiet, quiet, quiet. quiet.
2: Put that stick down, maestro. But again, I'm hearing south. Goodness, cue! It was a mistake, the whole thing. Now, go ahead, Kenny. But I can't tell my funny story until Mr. Beamish reminds me. Well, Mr. Beamish isn't here. Oh, we'll get something else to remind you. Sound man. Yeah, Mr. Allen. Look, on the Q Jacksonville Convention, let's have the siren and bell. You know, like the program opens. Jacksonville Convention, yeah, yeah. But how will that remind me, F.A.? It's simple, Kenny. The siren and bell will remind you of fire chief, you see? Fire chief will remind you of fire... Fire will remind you of water. Oh, I
6: get it. And water will remind me of Pat and Mike in the desert.
2: Yes. Oh. We'll remind you the hard way. (laughs) And now at long last, members of the convention, I give you Kenny Baker.
1: Yippee!
2: Thank
6: you. Thank you. On behalf of the Texaco Star Theater, I greet the Jacksonville Convention. Go ahead, go ahead,
2: Kenny. That reminds you. Okay.
6: Well, uh, that reminds me of a funny story. You, taxi coat dealers. That... Water, water. Sorry, I was late, Baker. Water, water. <laughs>
2: Again with the beamish. <laughs> Go ahead, Kenny. I can't, Anthony Kenny, you've been reminded twice. You overdid it, Faye. Now
6: I forgot my story.
2: Oh.
6: It's about Pat and that other man in the desert, Kenny.
2: Oh, Pat and Mike. That's right. That's right. Never mind the cast of characters. Get on with the story.
6: Pat and Mike were in the desert.
2: Yes. They were dying of thirst. Yes. They only had one orange between them. Uh huh. Just one little tambourine. Uh
1: uh-huh. That's
2: tangerine. Tangerine. Uh oh. What's the matter?
6: I just remembered. The Texaco convention's in Florida. So? This is a California orange.
2: Oh, what's the difference? Kenny, we only have 30 seconds before Jacksonville tunes us out. Now, please finish your story. What a California
6: orange is! Make it a Florida
2: orange. The Jacksonville Convention. No, no, sound ma'am, no.
6: You shouldn't have said Convention F.A. The Texaco dealers have never seen walk up, water, Kenny, Kenny, <laughs> i <I've never laughs> <my>
1: mind.
2: Kenny, <laughs> just say goodbye to the dealers down no,
1: south. Water, 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 Quiet, 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 quiet everybody, quiet.
2: And Pat and Mike were in the desert all... Kenny, Kenny, don't bother with your story. The convention has probably started north in a body looking for all of us by now. There's only one way you can redeem yourself, Kenny. You'd better sing your song right away. What is it?
6: I hear a rhapsody.
2: Uh, I hear a rhapsody, Mr. Goodman. And it shouldn't sound like Dixie. (laughs)
7: I hear a rhapsody, my days are so blue when you're away, my heart longs for you, so won't you stay, my darling, hold me tight and whisper to me, then Through a starry night, I hear a rhapsody. When I hear you call, I don't hear a call at all. I hear a rhapsody. the starless skies, I hear a rhapsody. My days are so blue when you're away. My heart longs for you, so long to stay, my darling Then what through a starry night I hear that is, uh,
2: a rhapsody pleasure to hear the rhapsody after all of that Dixie. And here's, uh, uh, here's Larry Elliott to talk about, uh, well, what are you going to talk about tonight, Larry? Oh, about, uh, nine-sixteenths of a second, Fred. Nine-sixteenths of a second? Why, that'll be about the shortest commercial ever put on the air. Pardon me, I'm going to call Ripley. Oh, no, it's not a
5: commercial, Fred. Nine-sixteenths of a second is the average reaction time for an automobile driver.
2: Reaction time? What's that?
5: Well, that's the time it takes your foot to begin moving when you decide to press the brake or the gas. Scientific tests have proven that the time varies with different drivers, from one-eighth of a second up to one full second, with the average nine-sixteenths.
2: Nine-sixteenths of a second. you know that's faster than the Warner Brothers can say Edward G. Robinson? Yes. Yes, and it goes to show how many of your
5: actions in driving a car are instinctive, done in a flash, without time to think. And when your car responds to those instant demands with quick, flexible power, then you're enjoying driving at its best. Sky Chief, Texaco's different premium gasoline gives you that kind of driving enjoyment, consistently. You can be idling along with the sound of your motor, scarcely a whisper, but you know that there under your foot is any sudden burst of speed you may need to pass a car or climb a hill. And with a clear road ahead, let her zoom and fly the highway with Sky Chief. Your Texaco dealer's luxury gasoline for those
2: who want the best. <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Texaco Workshop Players. Tonight, they salute the kiddies of America and present a story, uh, present the story of Little Red Riding Hood from the fairy tale of the same name. Music, Professor. Once upon a time, kiddies, there lived in a certain village a little country girl. Everybody called her Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, oh!
3: Little Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood, follow me.
2: Quiet, quiet, please. Pipe down.
3: Pipe down yourself, picklefoot. Uh, ex- <laughs>
2: excuse me, folks. A fresh kid in the front row who obviously knows me. Uh, come on. Just a minute, you come up on the stage here, Brad.
1: Okay, I'll come up,
2: jerk. Now. <laughs> High school boy. I... Now listen. Now listen, you digest Dracula. <clears throat> What's the big idea of heckling me as I'm starting the, this fairy tale? Oh, who wants to hear fairy stories? Why, Little Red Riding Hood has been charming kitties for generations. Yeah, well, she's passe today. Mother Goose is washed up, too. Yeah? Kids today are hep, chum. What kind of kids are hep, are they? What uh, what kind of programs do uh, you kids want, Sonny? Action stuff, like gangbusters. buck Rogers. You got to give us kids something up to date or we won't listen. Now listen, Cub. We have rehearsed Little Red Riding Hood for tonight. Well, that's your hard luck, Alan. I'm going home. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Just a minute, Buster. I've got an idea. Now suppose we present Little Red Riding Hood the way it might be done on some of those other programs. How do you mean? Well, you sit down, Chubby, and we'll show you... Uh, we'll show you how Little Red Riding Hood might sound... Uh, might sound served up in gangbuster style.
8: Gangbusters present. Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> or, when Granny woke up in the wolf's stomach, she knew it was an inside job.
2: <laughs> the scene... The scene, the forest hideout of Granny the Gun Maw.
1: <laughs>
2: Granny is the lovable old fence and front woman... For a notorious kidnapping gang. As our scene opens, Granny is knitting a blindfold for the gang's for the gang's next kidnap victim. There is a knock at the door. Granny speaks. Come in. Reach, Granny. Get him up. This is a stick up.
3: Willie the wolf. Yeah, Willie the Wolf. I
2: need no, Granny. Come across. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, we ain't getting no place, Granny. Take this. No, no. To get
1: that dough out of Granny's gator Think about the Wolf Little Red Riding Hood Yes, like this Wolf No Gosh, I killed the Wolf and there's
3: no reward Alas, crime doesn't pay
2: Well, there you are, son How was that?
3: Well, it's okay, Alan But
1: only for the kids that like that chops and robber stuff
2: You don't like it?
1: Oh, no, not me it's Nothing but that real
2: life Give give me, give me something that, that, that supernatural. Really, what shows do you go for? Well, uh, personally, I I like Mandrake the Magician and Superman. Oh, you mean the Blood and Thunder programs with those kiddie clubs, secret codes, and free badges? Yeah, them
6: shows where a kid can get suspense and cornflakes.
2: Suspense and cornflakes. (laughs) You want them in that order, do you, yeah. Well, all right. We'll show you how one installment of Little Red Riding Hood would sound done on a juvenile serial show.
4: It's a sparrow! It's a Goodyear Balloon! It's Superman! Yes, boys and girls. It's time for another exciting adventure with Superman, the super, super perfect man of the future. Superman is brought to you each evening by the makers of Granny
8: Pops. The new all-brand lollipop for nearsighted
4: kitties.
5: Granny Pops contain composite calcium motivate, the new
4: energy-giving ingredient for kitties. Granny Pops contain calcified extractive liver. The instant
2: body derivative. And branny... Branny pops contain brand. Mother, if you want your kid to have ruffage, sluffage, and stuffage... Buy him a branny pop today.
5: And now for Superman. As you recall, kiddies, last night, Superman with his X-ray eyes... Looked through the walls of Granny's cottage
8: and saw... But before we see what Superman saw, kiddies... A word about our Superman Bandit Club. Now, here's how you join, kid... Simply tear off the top of Daddy's safety deposit box. <laughs> Send us whatever you find inside. <laughs> Take an oath to Superman. You won't talk. And you are now a member of the Bandit Club absolutely free. And now for our Superman adventure. But
4: first, tonight's number in the Superman secret code. Tonight's message to all Superman club members is 94, 78, 46, 25, ring 2.
8: And now, for our Superman adventure.
1: But first,
5: first, a word about our new guaranteed imitation tin, Superman badges for Junior Supermen. We're all out of them. (laughs) And now, for our Superman adventure.
8: You may remember, kiddies, Superman, with his X-ray eyes, has seen the wolf through the walls of Granny's cottage. We now find Superman opening the door of the cottage. (coughs) Superman steps inside. Superman closes the door. This concludes tonight's adventure, kiddies. (laughs) What will Superman do tomorrow? Tune in tomorrow and see if you can find out between commercials. Good night, kiddies. And don't forget, buran Pa. And don't forget your Superman clout. And don't forget your Superman coat. And don't forget your Superman bag. And don't forget... Ah, oh, my... let's knock off,
4: fellas. Yeah. Let's finish that game of gin rummings. Yeah. Okay, but well, who's hey, that? Oh, moment?
2: I forgot. Good night, kiddies. Well, Bob, how did you like that action version of Little Red Riding Hood? Well, it was okay, but there was no human interest in it. No human interest? You mean the children go for those human interest programs, too? Sure, especially We the People. Let's go crazy for that sad stuff. They do? Kids do. Well, look, we'll show you how Little Red Riding Hood might sound if she was presented on We the People.
8: We the People be. Tonight, we, the people, bring you a most unusual attraction You are all familiar with the perennial fairy tale, Little Red Riding a Hood <laughs> Tonight, at our microphone, we have the original Little Red Riding a Hood And the original wolf who swallowed her original grandmother <laughs> Say hello to the folks, original Little Red Riding a Hood <laughs>
1: And how old are
8: you now, little red riding hood?
1: I'm 108 years old. And is this the original wolf? Yes,
3: Mr. Heater.
8: You've kept the wolf with you ever since he swallowed your granny?
3: Yes, I like to feel that granny is near me. And now will the
8: wolf say a few words?
3: If you kick him. All right, I will.
8: Thank you, wolf. Oh, that was the original wolf that swallowed Red Riding Hood's granny. Wasn't it, Red Riding Hood?
3: Yes, Mr. Heater.
8: And now, we, the people, has arranged to bring you greetings from the original granny who is still inside the wolf. Our CBS technician is now lowering a mic down into the wolf's stomach. The next voice you hear will be that of Little Red Riding Hood's granny, direct from the stomach of the
1: wolf.
8: Hello, granny. Do you hear? of spending 100 years in a wolf summer granny have you a message for our radio
1: audience. Yes. Let me out. Let me
2: out of here. We the people? See. There you are, son. You see, Red Riding Hood can make good in radio no matter how she's presented.
1: Well, yeah.
8: She's
2: okay in a lowbrow sort of way. Well, I don't get it. How about some kids that went for high-class music? High-class music? I'll show you how little Red Riding Hood might sound in grand opera. (laughs) Sing you the tale of Red Riding Hood. She went to see her
8: granny in the woods.
1: In the woods. But
8: the wolf had bolted granny for a, snack. for a snack.
2: And all the things that Radio Hawks couldn't bring her back. Alack, alack, bring Granny back Alack, bring
7: Granny back Alack, alack, bring Granny back back. For the wolf could not bring Granny back She was gone for good red riding Hooks couldn't bring her back
2: Son, how was that? Oh, I'm sorry I thought the whole thing. You're sorry? How about me? Well, I guess there's only one real way to enjoy red riding. That's the way I started to do it in the first place. Now, you keep quiet, and I'll tell the story. Once upon a time, kiddies... <laughs> Elliot for the defense.
5: The next few moments are devoted to the entire petroleum industry by the Texas Company. The preparedness of the petroleum industry is welcome news to every American today. But this preparedness didn't just happen. Behind this readiness to meet the emergency requirements of a sudden industrial speed-up, the great demands of our mechanized armies, our fleet, and aviation forces, is a story that goes back many, many years. A story of research, planning, and manufacture. Today, as a result of this long-range preparedness program, the petroleum industry is not only ready and willing, but also able to give all-out support to our country. Petroleum is a real defense industry.
2: Thank you, Larry, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us tonight. This is Fred Allen saying goodnight for the more than 45,000 Texaco dealers from coast to coast and inviting you to stop in anytime. Remember, you're welcome.
1: I'm the <laughs>